the Lord. Amen. The bulletins are back on the seat. The reason why we took them away, I'm trying to be a really good steward and try and save us some money along the way, so we'll have money when we get to the next place, but but uh, just didn't have a way of uh, providing sermon notes for you, so they're back on the chair, and that's the reason why they are, because I want you to have uh, sermon notes, fill in the blanks, so it will help you. Uh, it'll help you pay attention as we go along and minister, but it'll also give you something to take home with you, and I've had a lot of people uh, tell me uh, that they pulled out old sermon notes and uh, for uh, different occasions and different reasons, and they've been a blessing and a help to them, and so that's the reason why they're there. So they're back on the bulletin, back on your chair, if you want to get one of those and... Uh, uh, fill in the blanks and follow along with us as we go along today. Well, the, we're looking in the Word of the Lord this morning in the book of Ephesians, the book of Ephesians chapter number 2, and we're going to read verses 8 and 9. Ephesians chapter number 2 and verse 8 and 9. Amen. Just a little less monitor, not very much less, but a little bit, please. Paul writes and he says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. This morning I want to talk to you about the grace place. The grace place. Father, we thank you for the word of the Lord. Thank you for the strength that we have in the word. Thank you, Lord, that it is a lamp unto our feet. It is a light unto our path. God, I pray today that you will help us to have ears upon our heart today. Father, let us not only hear, uh, Lord, with our hearing, but Lord, let us hear with our spirit today. Father, I pray, Lord, that your perfect will will be done in and through this body of believers for the glory of God. As one day we stand before you and we give an account, not only individually, but we give an account, I give an account as a leader as to how I led this church, whether I listened to God or whether I listened to man whether I obeyed the prompting of the Spirit or whether I rejected it. And Father, I want to be found faithful when I stand before you that I have led this body of believers, at least to the very best of my ability, according to the Spirit of God that led and directed me. Father, help us today to hear your word. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. All of God's people said, praise the Lord. Lord. You may be reseated this morning. Let me tell you, first of all, that God has been dealing with my heart about grace for a long, long time. Especially the past several months, grace has been upon my heart. I believe that God wants this church to become known as the grace place. And my prayer is that this church will develop into a place for grace. You see, the church was never intended to become a museum for saints, but rather a hospital for sinners. Our new vision statement is caring people, caring for people. Do you understand that only people that are full of grace, only people that are filled with grace, only grace people can truly care for people. Now, there are two types of people who need grace, and that is the saints and the sinner. Let me tell you this morning, there will never ever come a time in your life when you will not need grace. You are always going to need grace in your life. You need grace to get saved. And you need grace to stay saved. There are two types of grace. When we think about grace, most people only think about one part or one aspect or one type of grace. Actually, there are two types of grace. There is saving grace and there is sustaining grace. You see, grace is not only for salvation, but it is also for service. And so in the next two weeks, the next couple of Sundays, I I want to talk about grace. I want us to talk about the grace place. This morning we began, let me share that I believe that, that grace is unmerited. 
Seven things about grace. Number one, it is unmerited. And we find that, we find that in, in our text in Ephesians chapter, chapter two and verse number eight and nine. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. And it's not by works. Because if it were, Paul said, man could boast. We understand that, that, that the word grace actually means unmerited favor. We understand that grace is a gift. And gifts are given and not earned. You see, if something has been earned, it is income. If something has been earned, it is income or it is payment for services rendered. Salvation comes by grace and grace alone. Listen, friend, God does not save us because we deserve to be saved. He doesn't save us because we are good enough to be saved. He he doesn't save us because we have worked hard enough. But no, friend, salvation is not based upon the merit system. It's based upon the grace system, which is unmerited love and favor. Love and favor, not because of us, but in spite of us. Romans 3 and 10 says, there is is none righteous. How many are righteous? There is none righteous, the Bible says. No, not even one. Oh, the old hymn of the church, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. That saved a wretch like me. I remember many years ago when I was pastoring in Midland, Texas. And the the worship leader was leading the song, Amazing Grace. And I interrupted him. Seldom do I interrupt the worship leader. But I interrupted the worship leader that morning. and, And I said, you know, you know, there's a host of churches today that will not sing Amazing Grace anymore because they say it's negative. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch, a wretch like me. And there are a host of churches that will not sing that because it says we are wretches. And I said, but I want to let you know this morning without the grace of Almighty God, we're all wretches. We sang the song after service. A man by the name of Don Swift, he was Harvest Time's version of Jerry Forbes. And after service, I'm, I'm in the foyer, and he always would do this to me. And I went over to him, and he said, you were right. I said, what? He said, you were right. I said, what are you talking about? He said, I looked around. There were wretches here today. <laughs> The truth of the matter is this morning without Jesus, without His amazing grace, all of us are wretches today. Oh, Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 9 says, The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Friend, if salvation was given according unto merit, all of us would go to hell. No one merits salvation. No one deserves to be saved. Friend, the only reason why any of us are saved today is because of the amazing grace of our God and our Lord and our Savior. Unmerited love and favor. Friend, if this church becomes the grace place where caring people care for people. Listen, friend, if that happens, we're going to have to drop our legalistic yardstick. We're going to have to drop our legalistic yardstick. We're going to have to stop basing our love and basing our care and basing our acceptance of people on the marriage system. And we're going to have to start loving and caring and accepting people on the same system that God operates on. And that is the system of grace, unmerited love and favor. Not only is grace unmerited, it is also unconditional. 
Titus chapter 2 and verse 11 says, The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Say all men. Everyone extends grace to some people. I said all of us are willing to extend grace to some people. The people we love. To people who look and act just like we do. To people that have given us grace. You know, it's not all that hard to extend grace to our sons and to our daughters and to our best friends. That doesn't come hard at all. But oh, what about people that, that we don't know? What about people of another color or another race than we are? Oh, what about people that we, we already don't like very much because of something that happened back in the past? True grace is unconditional. Oh, oh, it's extended to everyone. It is not based on certain conditions. Fact of the matter, I ask you this morning, is conditional grace even grace at all? Friend, if this church does become the grace place, we will have to be willing to offer unconditional love, unconditional acceptance, unconditional forgiveness. Now hear me and hear me clear this morning. That doesn't mean that we, that, that we condone. That doesn't mean that we place our seal of approval on people that choose to live in sin and people that refuse to repent and turn from their sin. This doesn't mean that I will no longer preach against sin. But let me tell you what it does mean. It does mean that whether people are innocent or whether they are guilty, whether they fit our preconceived mold or not, we will offer them unconditional love, acceptance, and forgiveness. Let's look at another thing about grace this morning. It's unimaginable. Unimaginable. Grace exceeds our our imagination. It's incomprehensible. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 17 through 20. Paul says, and I pray that Christ will be more and more at home in your hearts, living within you as you trust in Him. May your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love. And may you be able to feel and understand, as all God's children should, how long, how wide, how deep, how high His love really is. And to experience this love for yourselves. Notice. Though it is so great that you will never see the end of it or fully know or understand it. And so at last you will be filled up with God Himself. Now glory be to God who by His mighty power at work within us is able to do far more. Say far more. Oh, far more than we could ever dare to ask or even dream of. Infinitely beyond our highest prayer, desire, thought, or hope. Grace, it's unimaginable. It's incomprehensible. Think about it this morning. Think about it. Oh, think about this this morning. Murderers, murderers, rapists, child molesters, dope heads, prostitutes, pimps, drug dealers, adulterers, homosexuals, liars, thieves, drunkards, all of these and, and, and more are all eligible for grace. Think about it this morning. There's absolutely no one that is too mean. There is no one that is too ugly or too vile or too dirty or too wicked or too far from God. But what grace is available for them. Simply unimaginable to even think that the lowest of the low, the scummiest of the scum, the vilest of the vile is still loved by God and that His grace is still available to them. Friend, if this church truly becomes the grace place, 
We're going to have to provide grace not only for a few prodigals who wandered off and somehow wandered back. Friend, we must be willing to offer grace to the unimaginable. Oh, be be willing to offer grace to people that have died and been involved in unimaginable things. Things too despicable to even talk about behind this pulpit. True grace exceeds our imagination. It reaches to places and to people that our minds can't even. When I was a little boy growing up in the 60s, yeah, there really were 60s. <laughs> I remember when I was about 10 years old in, in the 60s, that would be about 1965. Thank you. <laughs> Control your wife there, Something, at least to my knowledge, something happened in that that age with bicycles. Now, in the middle 60s or maybe even early 60s, everybody was riding the conventional bike, you know, the 26-inch bike with the standard seat and standard handlebars. But in the 60s, something came along called the Stingray. How many of you remember that? Ah, the Stingray. It wasn't a 26-inch bike with standard handlebars and seat. Now, it was a 20-inch bike with a long banana seat on it and high swan handlebars. And in the 60s, man, if you had a Stingray, you were super cool, man. And I'm 10 years old, and I want to be super cool. All of my friends have regular bicycles. I want to show up. Popping a wheelie on my stingray. And I tell my mom and dad, I want a stingray. I want a stingray. I want a stingray bike. You know, I, I pulled out pictures. This is it. This is it, right? This is what it looks like right here. Right here. I've got to have it. Got to have it. And I want, to ha- I want it for Christmas, please. I, I, I want it for Christmas. Don't, you don't have to buy me anything else. Nothing else. Just, just buy me a stingray, man. I mean, I wanted it so bad. I wanted a stingray more than I wanted to eat. <laughs> and finally convinced my mom and dad to buy me and my brother a stingray bike. Man. Now I know I'm getting a stingray for Christmas. Ah, I know that's what I'm going to get. And so that's all I can think about. I'm dreaming about that stingray bicycle. About a week before Christmas, me and my brother, and I know it was my brother's fault. (laughs) We did something so bad, so terrible. It's so bad I erased it from my memory. I can't even remember I can't even remember what it was we did. But it was so bad that the punishment was, Dad said, no Stingray bikes for Christmas. You talk about crushed. Crushed. Christmas came. (laughs) Dad's no liar. It wasn't that we didn't get any presents. We just didn't get the stingray. Forget about everything else. I wanted a stingray. No stingray bikes for Christmas. One day I came in from school two or three weeks after Christmas. I was in the house. My dad came home early from work. My dad opened the door from the garage into the house. And he hollered out, Mike and Dennis... Come out into the garage. I acted like I didn't hear dad. Because when my dad asks you to, tells you to come to the garage, it's one of two things. Either you're in trouble and you're getting a whipping. Or you're cleaning out the garage. And neither one of them sounded very good to me. So I acted like I didn't hear him. About five minutes later, I hear, Michael Dodd, Dennis Keith, get out of here in this garage. Well, my dad used your whole name. 
It was bad before, but it's going to be worse now. You better get, get out there. So I go out into the garage, figuring I'm in trouble. I have to clean up the garage, or I'm getting a whipping for something my brother made me do. <laughs> and I open the door to the garage, and out in the middle of the garage stood two of the most beautiful Stingray bicycles I'd ever laid eyes on. One of them was red, one of them was black. 20 inches, long banana seat jacked up, <laughs> swan handlebars, chrome wheels. Wow! <laughs> Can I tell you, I didn't know it at the time. Later I looked back on that event and I saw a beautiful picture of grace. Let me tell you, I don't remember what me and my brother had done, but my dad, he he was very strong and very firm, but he was a fair man. And so it was fair punishment for fair crime. We had done wrong. We deserved to be punished. We were punished. No stingray bites. But now out of all, all of a sudden, two, three weeks after Christmas, here they are, the bikes. I'm telling you, we did nothing to deserve them. But it was simply a father that had an unconditional love for his sons. A father that did for his sons what his sons did not deserve. I'm telling you that's what grace is all about. I want to tell you that that went beyond this little 10 year old boy's wildest imagination. I'm telling you the grace of God it's unimaginable. 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 Amen. Only grace could provide those bikes. Only a father who loved his sons unconditionally would do for us what we didn't deserve. And let me tell you that this grace that my earthly father bestowed upon me as a little 10-year-old boy. Oh, you see, you see, in my mind, those bikes were gone forever. (laughs) When dad said something, that was it, man. And dad said, no stingrays. I just knew that meant no stingrays. Those bikes in my mind were gone forever. Oh, oh, we got gifts for Christmas. Oh, we got gifts for our birthday. That was all we ever got gifts at our house. Not complaining, that's just the truth. My mind, we had really blown it. We will never, ever, ever get those bikes. Oh, beyond my wildest little boy dreams. I tell you that I'm dreaming again today. I'm dreaming again today. I can't tell you how much I've been dreaming the last few weeks especially. I'm dreaming today about the grace place. I'm dreaming about a place of unimaginable grace. Can you go there with me today? Can you go there with me today? Well, can you allow your imagination to run a little bit wild with me this morning? Oh, can you see people coming into our church oh, that are wounded and beaten up by life and bruised by men? Can you see them coming? Can you see people that have tried drugs and alcohol and promiscuity in order to numb their pain only to discover that once the numbness wears off, the pain has now increased? Can you see them this morning? Can you see them stumbling into the grace place where caring people care for people? Can you see them being loved and cared for and accepted unconditionally? Can you see people that have been disappointed and let down and failed by other ministers and ministries? Oh, can you see God directing them to the grace place where they will see the genuine and the real? I'm not talking about perfection. Nobody is perfect. But they will become where they will see the genuine, the real. They will see authentic Christianity. They will see Jesus with skin on. Can you see it this morning? Can you see people that have lost all hope discovering it again at the grace place? Grace 
The last thing I want to talk about this morning. It's unnatural. Unnatural. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 38 through 48. Jesus said, this is what you've heard. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. Don't fight against them. Don't resist them. Whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn to him the other. Anybody wants to sue you, take away your tunic. Let him have your armani also. Whoever compels you to go with him one mile, don't go one mile, go two. Give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn them away. Jesus continues, he said, this is what you have heard. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor, but you can hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemy. Bless those that curse you. Do good to those who hate, hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good. He sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For you, if you have love for those you love, what reward have you? No big deal. You love those that love you. He said even the tax collectors. Do the same. If you greet your brethren only, why, why do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. And let me tell you this morning, Jesus had every right to teach this because he modeled it. In Isaiah chapter 50 and verse 6, a prophecy concerning Jesus, and it says, I offered, I what? I offered my back to them that beat me. I offered my cheeks to those that would pull out my beard. And I did not hide my face from those that would mock and spit upon me. Jesus had every right to teach and preach what he just did because he modeled it. But let me suggest to you this morning that grace is unnatural. Grace goes against the grain. You see, our natural tendency is to say, well, they made their bed, now let them lie in it. Our natural tendency is to say, good enough for them. Our natural tendency is to say, they have no one to blame but themselves. You reap what you sow. Our natural tendency is to say, you treat me bad? <laughs> you don't know bad. <laughs> I'll treat you worse. That's our natural tendency. But hear me this morning, grace is unnatural. Matter of fact, it's supernatural. Only by God's grace can we extend grace. You see, friend, without God's grace working in me, if you black my eye, I'm going to black both of yours. Unless God's grace flows through me, if you come against me or mine, you're toast. Your toast. But hear me this morning. Listen, friend, hear this and hear this clearly this morning. We will not continue to receive God's grace unless we are willing to give grace. You see, we should not only receive the deposit of grace in our own lives, we should also become dispensers of grace, dispensing grace to all who seek it. Jesus said in Matthew 5 and 7, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Notice the word they. Who are they? Who are they? 
They are the merciful. They are those that are full of mercy. Who receives mercy? Everybody. Who receives grace? No. Uh, Everybody. No, no, no. Those who give it. Jesus said, blessed are the merciful, or blessed are those that are full of mercy. For they, they, who's they? Those that are merciful, those that are full of mercy. They're the ones that's going to receive mercy. The graceful are those full of grace. Will likewise be those that will receive grace. I don't know about you this morning, but I desperately need mercy. I don't know about you, but I desperately need grace this morning. And my daily prayer is, God, make me a person of mercy. And God, make me a person of grace. Oh, may I become graceful and merciful so that I may likewise receive the mercy and the grace that I so desperately need. Friend, not only do I want to become a person of grace, and I do. The more I'm around people that are people of grace, like Pastor Houston, the more I desire that kind of spirit and that kind of heart. Not only do I want to become a person of grace, I want this church to become a place. A place of grace. Please hear my heart this morning. I totally believe, totally, that God wants our church to become the grace place. A place of grace. A place that offers unconditional love, unconditional acceptance, unconditional forgiveness. You've heard me talk about now since it happened many times that six months ago when I was in Phoenix, Arizona for our organization, the Assemblies of God, our general council. My wife didn't want to go to all those meetings. She had stuff to do here, so I went out there all by myself. I went to all the meetings. I still had much time on my hands by myself. And so I used that time by myself in my hotel room to read the Word, to pray, to seek God, to ask the Lord for direction for the church, to ask the Lord to lead, direct, and show me what he wanted for our church for the future. I had much time to pray, to meditate, to reflect, to seek God. And as I was praying and seeking God for the direction for our church, God spoke two things to me. One of the things God spoke to me was direction for future missions in this church. And I'm going to be sharing that with you in a few weeks at our missions convention. And I am just so excited about that. The other thing that I believe with all of my heart that God spoke to me, and if you've been around here very long and I've been here nearly nine years, you will, you, you will know that seldom do I ever say God spoke. Seldom do I say God spoke to me. God doesn't tell me what shoes to wear in the morning. Unlike some people claim that God just speaks to them every day. God doesn't speak to me other than through His Word through an impression here and there, but it's, it's, it's few and far between. Oh, I get impressions, but I'm talking about when God really speaks something profound and something really uh, into my heart. And I, and, and I know the voice of the Lord. And I know that I heard the Lord speak to me. And I heard the Lord say, Call your church the grace place. Call your church the grace place. Honestly, I didn't know what that meant at the time. Did that mean, God, you want me to change the name of our church? God, is this a new slogan, a new vision statement? 
What is this, God? If you know me very well, you know that I don't do anything very quickly. I don't do anything the moment something happens or spoken. Or I process anything substantial. I, I process it. And so I've had six months to pray and see God and process. God, what, 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 what did you mean? What did you mean? Call my church the grace place. Is that a new name for my church? Is that a new slogan? Is that a vision statement? What, what is it? That was six months ago. I don't know everything, but I know a few things. And one thing that I know about whether or not God speaks to me or not, and this is one test that I use, Time. Time. If I feel like God says something to me, I don't, I don't get up the next Sunday and say, God said. I don't tell somebody two hours later, God said. Because it might have just been pizza. It might have just been a moment of inspiration. It might have been a Good idea. And I get good ideas every once in a while. But remember, a God idea will work. A good idea will work you. So I don't get in a hurry about anything like that. One test to use to determine whether God spoke to you or not. Ask yourself, does this grow in my heart? Does it grow in my spirit over time? If this is just a good idea or just a moment of inspiration, it would have been gone from my heart hours, if not days later. But let me tell you this morning that it is in my heart even stronger today, even stronger this very moment than it was six months ago when I first heard these words. A few months ago, we had Dr. Bosman for the first time. He, had a le- he did a leadership training for us on Saturday, and then he preached for us on Sunday. He talked about leadership, and he just gave us a little introduction to the Lay Pastors Network. After he left, I went into my office and I sat down thinking about the Lay Pastors Network, thinking about the direction of the church, thinking about what God was going to do in and through, through our church. And, and again, out of nowhere there, I felt very strongly the Lord speak to me one again. And the Lord said, caring people. Caring for people. Wow. Now... I feel like I've heard two things from God. I feel like I've heard the Lord say, Call your church the grace place. And I hear God saying, Caring people. Caring for people. To me it's like a hand in a glove. To me it's a no-brainer. After six months of daily prayer, after six months of processing and seeking God, I believe with all of my heart that God wants to change our name to the grace place. I believe He wants our name to be the grace place. I believe that He wants our vision as the grace place to be caring people. Caring. People. God changed Abram's name. You've been Abram. Now you're Abraham. God said, Hey, Jake, Jacob, deceiver, supplanter. No longer are you Jacob. From now on, you're Israel. Prince with God. Jesus said, Simon, you little turkey. (laughs) Had about all Simon I handle. Now on, you're not Simon. You're Peter. Pebble. Little rock. Saul. Saul, you have persecuted the church. You have killed my people. You're going to be the greatest apostle of all, but 
not as Saul. You're Paul. Am I saying there's anything wrong with the name Bethel or New Bethel? Absolutely not. But I am saying that I believe that God is saying to us, you've been Bethel? You've been New Bethel? Now you're going to be Newer Bethel. (laughs) No. (laughs) You see, to God, names are very significant. Very significant. See, Pastor, it doesn't matter what our name is. Yes, it does. Because names are very significant to God. Take my name, Michael, Angel. (laughs) What? Seriously, this morning, names are extremely important to God. And I believe that God wants to change our name. And not simply for change's sake. But I believe that God wants us to become the grace place. A place for grace. We could get the musicians and the singers back in place this morning. The grace place, a place for grace, a place that offers unconditional love, unconditional acceptance, unconditional forgiveness. A place for all colors and nationalities, cultures. Now let me tell you, I cannot change the name of this church. As the lead pastor of this church, I don't have the authority to change the name of New Bethel. If you have a very good memory at all, you'll remember that when we initially started talking about moving, first of all, to the Albertsons building, selling all this property, and then when that fell through, then selling this piece of property and moving building another building. If you have a very good memory at all, you'll remember that I didn't stomp and spit and threaten and say, if you don't do it, you're out of God's will and you don't know how to hear God and you're this and that and and, and I'm going to leave and and threaten and all this. If you'll remember, I simply opened my heart to you, shared the vision with you, twisted no arms, allowed this body to vote in a vote so this morning I'm not here to twist anybody's arm I'm not here to jump up and down and scream and shout and spit and say if you, do this, if you don't do this you've missed God and you're not spiritual and you need to listen to the man of God and I'm not here to manipulate anything this morning that's witchcraft I'm only here today to open my heart to you and unburden my heart to you Because you see, this has been in my heart for six months now. And finally it came to the boiling point. I could no longer keep it in here. I had to share it. So I share it with you this morning. Telling you that I have prayed, I have sought God, I have have processed this, I've done my due diligence. It's a six month process. And I personally believe with my heart just telling you that this is God and this is the direction that God wants us to go. That being said, I want to tell you that this body, the membership, the official members of New Bethel, that's why you need to be a member. Because only official members get to vote on issues like this. And so at our March 7th annual business meeting, we will have a vote of this body. And you can say yes or you can say no changing the name of our church to the grace place. I just believe that if it's God, not only will He speak to me, but He'll speak to you. And that's why I'm telling you today, and not two days before the business meeting or the business meeting day, I've had six months to process. You don't get six months, but you get about three weeks. Two or three weeks, however long it is. To process. Not to gossip. 
Not to say, how do you feel about it? Well, forget about how they feel about it. Just pray about it. Just pray about it. Seek God. If God confirms it in your heart, then you vote yes. If He doesn't confirm it in your heart, then you vote no, and we're still friends. I'm just trying to follow God. He's trying to be your leader. I asked this board nine years ago, what are you looking for? In fact, after it was all over, Johnny Showalter said, we didn't know who was interviewing who. Well, it was a two-way process. It's my life, too. One of the questions I asked nine years ago was, are you looking for a hireling? Are you looking for a preacher? Or are you looking for a leader? If you're looking for a hireling, you're looking for a preacher, that's not me. If you're looking for a leader, maybe I'm your man. So I just want you to process this. Let God speak to your heart. Let Him speak to your heart and see. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? I've been thinking about it because I've known about it, but I've been thinking about it a lot lately. And my mind just goes and goes and goes. It's unimaginable. As I imagine. Because really, when I look back for the last the last 21 years of my 39 years of ministry, the last 21 years, that's what God has helped us do is build the grace place. Because for the last 21 years in the last two churches, God has sent me people that are wounded and beaten up and hurting and bruised and disillusioned and disappointed. helped us to pour in the oil pour in the wine Father I just pray today that you'll help the people just hear my heart because what's in my heart I believe if I've missed you God if I've missed you you being my witness you know that I've done my due diligence and I've tried with everything every ounce of energy in my being know that I know that I know that I know the direction of the Lord. So I believe what's in my heart has been put in there by you. And I pray what has been put in my heart will spill out over into the heart of your people. Whether we change our name or not, God, please, please, please help us to build the grace place. Your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed this morning and maybe you're here today and you're in need of grace today. Maybe you're here and you're not saved today. You've never given your heart and your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you thought, if I could only be good enough, if only I could do good enough, if only I could... Let me tell you, if only will never happen in your life. Oh, there's good news for you this morning if you're not saved. And that is that God, through His Son, Jesus Christ, has done for you what you could never do for yourself. Jesus died on the cross. God offers you grace freely given, unmerited love and favor. Not because of you, but in spite of you. So this morning, if you're not 100% sure of your salvation and you want the grace of God this morning for salvation, if you're ready to give, to accept God's grace and receive salvation, receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, if that's you, I want you to lift your hand. Let me see it. You've lifted your hand this morning. You want to give your life to Jesus? Do you want that freely given, unmerited love and favor? Do you want to be saved today? Grace is being offered to you today for salvation. This is your opportunity. that grace this morning grace is a gift but we have to receive the gift are you saved are you saved you are sure okay cool alright wonderful how about you this morning and you and you and you if not 
grace is being extended today. How many of you here this morning and say, I've got saving grace, but I need sustaining grace. There's some things in my life that are not right. Maybe there's a habit. Maybe there's an attitude. Maybe there's something that you have not been able to overcome in your life. You've got saving grace, but now you need sustaining grace. If I've described you, would you lift your hand in this room this morning? God bless you all over this room today. All over this room. Would you stand in the presence of the Lord this morning? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Can we sing what you're playing there? And oh, I'm running to your arms. I'm running to your arms. The riches of your love will always be enough. Nothing compares. Have a wonderful morning. Thank you for coming this morning.